When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, everybody, welcome to another edition of the Pirates Podcast to be named later. I am your host, Eddie Provident. With me is the one and only Alex Stump, who is freshly back from PNC Park on Friday night. Um, well, I guess it, right now it's Saturday morning, Alex, off of a 14 to 7 fireworks night, pride night, Pirates taking care of business, Rich Hill taking the hill, looking very good today. Um, but. Bad news, unfortunate news for the Pittsburgh Pirates with Vince Velazquez. What do you got for us, man? Yeah, I mean, this was kind of the day if you ever needed a 119 pitch outing from one of your starting pitchers. Rich Hill <laughs> picked a good day for it. Uh, Pirates were dealt a blow that they were hoping that they were going to be able to avoid, but the longer it went, the more it kind of looked like it was an inevitability. Vince Velazquez had surgery on the UCL. It's not a full-blown Tommy John surgery, but he is going to be out 11 to 12 months for baseball activities. His season is done. Mm. Now, whenever you consider that JT Brubaker is out for the year because of Tommy John and Mike mm-hmm. Burroughs is out for the year because of Tommy John, that really means there's not a whole lot of depth to go from. And Rowanzi Contreras, we don't know what his future is, you know, at the moment. They were ready to move him into the bullpen whenever they thought they were getting Velazquez back in the rotation. He's not pitched well of late. That was a very rough May. He got absolutely shelled his last time out. There's not a whole lot out. And basically, the Pirates are kind of in a spot where mm-hmm. you got Quinn Priester, who has pitched very well, you know, for a month plus in Indianapolis. And he's a Good prospect, one of their top prospects, and you know, someone that they have to fall back on. But outside of that, this team doesn't have many starting options left. And that's even assuming that you could get a full year's worth of innings out of someone like Contreras or Ortiz or even Priester for that matter. Right, right. Yeah, man, it's a tough spot to be in. Um, I would say, like, I mean, right now, where we sit right now, Friday night and Saturday morning, uh, the Pirates are, are a just a, just a scotch, a hair in first place on their own uh, in the central. Um, mm-hmm. Is the trade market a viable option? Not at this time. Not you don't at think? this time. Not in early June because everyone's looking for pitching at this time of year. Teams don't know if they're selling. This is going to be a seller's market. It looks like because there's the expanded playoffs, uh, the central divisions of both the American league and uh, national league is, are pretty wide open that anyone could like, even a team like the reds who are, you know, earlier in their rebuild in the parts are only a handful of games behind the parts. Now I don't think the reds are going to be able to keep this up, and, you know, they don't have a whole lot of pitching to, you know, trade at this moment anyway. But just them as an example, these are wide open divisions and there aren't a lot of commodities out there. And I think the real question is if this team is still in that mix for the division in spot for a wild card this time next month, 
or after the all-star break even, how seriously should you go after one of these guys? How quality of a prospect can you give up? Because I look at their other option in, options in Indianapolis, and it's pretty much like Esvato Beto, who isn't, you know, he's an up-down guy at best. Uh, Caleb Smith, that's not really an option. You got Max Kranich, you know, potentially in September, but that's also September. Mm-hmm. So it's, you got to find a way to bridge that gap there aren't a whole lot of starting options left and I don't know how they can do it and be a competitive club without going to the trade market. And it's just not an option right now. So let's refocus then stay on the rotation, but let's talk about Rich Hilton uh, on Friday night and that 119 pitch outing seven innings pitched uh, looked good, man. Look, looked solid as, as, as he's been all season. Uh, how important now is it for Mitch Keller and Rich Hill to really kind of batten down the hatches, no pun intended with the Pirates, <laughs> but how important is it now for guys like him to to really come in and give you that solid, you know, five, six, seven innings, uh, you know, every fifth day? Because now it, it's just, it really is an unknown for the pitching staff. Yeah, it's it's vital right now because... Yeah, I, I I want to go even one step further with the five six seven. Like coming into this year, I thought this team had some good middle relief options. Uh, Will Crow is hurt. Mm-hmm. Chase DeYoung is not cutting it, and he he was DFA'd for the second time on Friday. Dwayne Underwood Jr. DFA'd. So whenever you say five six seven, it almost feels like a uh, six, six seven, seven. Yeah. yeah type of deal because even though there are some guys like jose hernandez has been you know a very pleasant surprise johan ramirez has been a very pleasant surprise like you can't keep trotting out the same four or five guys you know there there has to be some other steps and there's some other guys you could go to for those semi-leverage innings or before we get to the back end of the bullpen so it's to answer the question it's vital mm-hmm. there is a lot riding right now for whatever the Pirates playoff hopes are, there is a lot riding on the left arm of the 43-year-old Rich Hill who has not pitched, you know, 150, 160 innings, you know, that often in his career. I believe only twice in his career. And boy, do they really need him to do it a third time at age 43. Like, they really need those innings. Mitch Keller, they need him to right the ship. And look, most important of them all, I think, is Rowanzi. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know what his inning limit is this year. He had the big jump last year. His fastball velocity hasn't been. There are so many things about that fastball that are just not right right now. It's not as fast as it needs to be. It's not tunneling the way it should be. It's not having the right pass to the plate. It's coming in flat. It's just everything that could go wrong with the pitch is going wrong with the pitch. And that's why he's not a major league starter. And the Pirates cannot afford to lose a young, talented starter for something like this it's not to excuse injuries but injuries happen in this sport and not to say well what can you do but right now if you're the pirates what can you do other than make sure that brubaker burrows you know those guys rehab properly so that whenever they come back next year they're fully ready to go you got to find a way to get through 2023 first and they don't have a lot of options to pull from anymore the last question I have for you as far as the rotation goes, because it's one name that hasn't been brought up in this entire conversation is Johan Oviedo. Yeah. What 
see, for me, he is, I, I understand, you know, the Rich Hill conversation. I understand. Obviously, we all know Mitch Keller needs to be the horse on this, uh, of this rotation. No question. The guy for me, though, the, the wild card is Johan Oviedo. Because if we get Johan Oviedo that we saw uh, in April, then this pitching staff is going to be okay. But again, it's another young unknown. He's the wild card for me. He's the guy that I think he he's a big body. He's built for it. And he has the stuff. It's just a little inconsistent. If Johan Oviedo can somehow put together a solid month of June, I think that drastically changes this conversation of what the Pirates rotation can be, what it would look like. Do they go to the trade market? All of these questions change if Johan Oviedo can be what he is built to be and what we saw him be, you know, a, a month, month and a half ago. Yeah. And Oviedo is, you know, the big wild card here. I'll, I'll agree with that because we have seen times where he was one of the best pitchers mm-hmm. in, in the National League. There was a stretch of like he, two or three weeks there where he was, was. It, was it against uh was it against the White Sox where he just looked unhittable I mean I, I mean he just I go back to the Cardinals and I, Cardinals, I know, that's what no it was the Cardinals yeah. game yep that's that was the one I'm thinking of the Cardinals game he just he looked wanted, unhittable man he wanted that one and he pitched his you know butt off in that one and you know he took a loss and you could tell afterwards like that ate him up it's like dude you might have pitched the best game you've ever had in your life and you're, you, you can tell he wanted to yeah. to show his former team what they're missing out on, but before we he go to- is he is the big guy here to you know wrap up what you're saying. You need someone him, Rowanzi, Luis Ortiz taking that next step. You need to find someone needs to yes because the options are limited, and if you could get to the trade deadline in that playoff mix. Things can change. Like they're not going to give up, you know, uh, Henry Davis and Andy Rodriguez to make a trade, a top prospect. But like J.A. Happ was a, a small, you know, yeah. a minor trade that worked out perfectly. You can find guys. They found the, the Tyler th- Andersons. They found Velasquez, Cantata. They could find someone else out there, but they got to get to that point. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think the point is right now they're not looking to find an ace. They're looking to round out a rotation. They're looking and, and, for depth because yeah, it's just exactly. obliterated real quick before, cause you, you did touch on this at the beginning uh, before we go to a, a quick break. Uh, Tony has a question from Facebook. Will we see Quinn, Quinn Priester now called up? You alluded to that. We probably will see him this season. When do you think Priester uh, is in the mix? I have to wonder if it's sooner rather than later. Like I, I Tony, I wish I could say like, Oh, he's going to make one start, two starts more in Indianapolis. And then he's coming up. We don't know yet. We don't know yet for sure. What Rwanzi Contreras is, you know, future with this club is there's going to be a stretch of 17 games in 18 days coming up in the near future. That would seem like a potential landing spot for at least a Quinn Priester spot start, you know, at the, you know, just to give everyone that extra day that, would that extra blow. But I, would it be a situation, Alex, and I, I may be way out of, you know, way out of my depth here, but with it being a rotation that right now is going to have uh, Mitch Keller and Rich, and Rich Hill as the two veterans, and then you have three unproven young guys, um, would it be a situation where maybe you go to a six man rotation or 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 look at maybe not starting Priester every fifth day, 
but you know, kind of spot starting him just to give Rich Hill's arm, like you said, he he's only done it twice in his career, 150 innings. Just kind of using Priester is like a, or do do you think that once they get him up here, they want to get him in the rotation and they want to get him used to that major league uh, schedule? I think that would be the preference out of the two. I, I think that's fair to say. Um, I think we're going to see stretches where there will be a six man rotation mm-hmm. for for this team. I, I I don't see it being like a, a regular like for a month. It's just going to be once every six days. But like like I said, during that stretch of seventeen games in eighteen days, that could be you know a real possibility of just like everyone get a blow in there, like one extra day to you know either focus on the bullpen or prep for what's going to happen. I think that's a distinct possibility, if not Priest or just someone. They've got roster spots at the moment mm-hmm. to, to work with. I believe the roster is at 37. And even whenever you consider Davis is going to get one of those and uh, Priester is going to get one of those, like it, you have a little flex, flexibility to work with. So Let's take a break. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk some more Buccos baseball. Alex, I have a question for you. Uh, I want to get away from pitching for a second. Uh, and I want to talk about two players whose bats have really shown to be vital over the last couple uh, a couple games, maybe the last two or three weeks. Uh, Brian Hayes and G1 Bay are the two yep. that I'm that I am focusing on right now. Uh, G1 Bay, the thing I, I tweeted, this is why you keep G1 Bay in the uh, in the lineup Friday when he lays that bunt down. His speed causes the error, error on the throw. He gets the third base, clears the bases on a, on a bunt. Uh, and then the thing that I think got overlooked in that inning was the very next at bat, the very next batter in that inning, the infield is in now. Everybody's in yeah. because of J1 Bay's speed, and a routine ground ball becomes a single, and G1 Bay scores, and it's all because of the speed. Uh, I think they put on the on the big screen uh, that in his last 14 games coming into today, he was or coming into Friday, he was batting 367. Um, this is the G1 Bay that that the Pirates need, and then Key Brian Hayes Friday, man, he just he had he had a career game, man, like he just he absolutely if this is. I don't think whoever this is sustained like a, a night like Friday is going to be the norm. But if if we could see the Key Brian Hayes that we've seen over the last couple of weeks, going back to one of our earlier questions pre, or uh, conversations preseason, Alex, he now we're we're seeing a different type of third baseman out of out of Key Brian Hayes. What what do you think about the, those two guys? Well, I'm just going to touch on Bay real fast here because I got a lot more to say about Hayes and. Uh, but for Bay in particular, I think the big thing is just how he's moving his body. You know, mm-hmm. it, it that's is, a really good, like, really good point. Yeah, yeah. Like he used to coil up whenever he he would swing, and it it didn't work out. Right. It it he 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 would coil up just so he'd have to uncoil. And there's just a lot of movement there. There's a lot of ways for the body to to go wrong. He's doing it a lot simpler right now. It's working out great. This is kind of what G1 Bay should be doing at the plate. Just get the bat to the ball. And like you said, let the speed play. Just try to make something happen yep. that way. Hayes, 
look, even I'm I I was hearing about what Hayes was doing, experimenting with, what he was getting close to, even before that West Coast trip. Okay. And it was that Mariners series that might have been like the the bottoming out point where Hayes is like, I don't like what I'm doing. I, I, I'm frustrated. And he has that off day against the Giants and he, you know, really works it. He implements the toe tap and, you know, that's great. <laughs> that's, that's great and everything. But it was even before then that it, it the work that he and Andy Haynes started to do mm-hmm. was starting to really take. And it was starting to really show that these two can work and collaborate and be this better ball player. And not to say, you know, Hayes isn't collaborative or, you know, a tough guy to coach or anything, because that's not true. It's just sometimes these relationships take more than the year. And that that's kind of why I, I, I never called for, you know, Haynes to be fired last year. You know, it was, let's give this guy the extra year. He was dealt a very bad hand because of everything that came with the lockout and everything. Like, let's see what we could do in the second year. And I think Hayes is the golden example of why you need that second year for an offensive coordinator to actually go through. I, I think the approach has been much better. I think the results speak for themselves. I mean, we have a guy who had an OPS barely above 600 a week and a half ago, and now it's basically at a major league average. Mm-hmm. So like, and not to say that, you know, you want major league average, but Hayes as an average hitter with that defense is, a, he's an impact player. That's what we said. Yeah, that was the whole conversation preseason, you know, between the two of us is, you know, what, what does his offense need to be for him to be the number one third baseman in the NL, you know, and for he's, me, uh, it's average to above average, and he he is he's that guy. If and his OPS starts with a eight, he's probably the best third baseman in baseball. I, I would agree one hundred percent with you there. Uh, yeah, man, it, it, it it's exciting to see the bats come alive like that. I mean, obviously, you know, it's one game, it's fourteen runs against the Mets, but I mean, you know, Tony again brought up uh, Jack Sawinski. You know, Sawinski looked look really good again. Uh, we got to see a home run from Santana. Um, McCutcheon gets a base hit where he, you know, he, he kind of gets the gap between third and short and, uh, you know, runs one out. He's one hit away from 2000. Everybody on the, on, in the lineup on Friday night did something impactful. It felt like, you know, there, there really wasn't any holes in that lineup. And, and these are the games. And again, I'm not saying that the Pirates are going to score 14 runs every game, but these are the types of games that I think keep this team, this young team that needs that confidence. These are the types of games that build that for them. And these are the ty- types of games that show them, hey, it doesn't matter if we're going up against the A's or if we're going up against the Mets with a, you know, multi hundred million dollar, uh, roster we can play with anybody in in baseball they just need that confidence and they they need to find that the um you know just that everyday grind almost you know um but it was a fun night at the ballpark for sure yeah it was i mean they needed that after the Hayes series uh they responded well i know the mets are railing right now but these these are whatever you you know, you, you take advantage of those because especially since there isn't a game 163 and 
I am looking way too far in the future right now, but if you could take a series like this or two, you know, if, if they could sweep the Mets, that would go a long way for like tiebreakers as far as, you know, for that, you know, last wild card, if it comes down to that. Again, we're way too, I'm looking way too far in advance with, with all this, but whatever it comes to Hayes, maybe I'm over-exaggerating a little bit with, you know, if the OPS starts with eight, he's the best third baseman in baseball because there is still like Jose Ramirez. There still is, you know, like a lot of uh, great players at that position. It's one of the most stacked positions in the sport, but he definitely is among the very best if he can do that. And what he is doing at the plate right now, he has never swung the bat like this before. And I include September 2020, like just what he's done these last eight games. Like this, this isn't, you know, reminiscent of what he did that first month. It's like the approach, the actual results. It's not just, you know, it'd be one thing if he's shooting ground balls to the right, mm-hmm. to right field or whatever, but like every hit was in the air on Friday. Like, my goodness, could you no. imagine saying that a year ago with this guy? No, not at all. He's driving line drives to all parts of the field. He's getting flares. He's doing everything that you should be doing as a hitter. We, we, I'm, I get people who are tired of me talking about exit velocities and expected stats for him, but like this is what it always could have been if he could consistently lift the ball. And he's done that for a week plus now. And that, that's and, why he's the results are speaking for themselves. Uh, and, and it might be baby steps, but that's how you get started sometimes is the baby steps. And like, I, just I keep, think we're beyond baby steps. Well, right no, now. I mean, I, I, baby yeah. steps in this in the sense that it's only been a week, you know, like that. Like uh, it, it's obvious. I think anybody that hates on Hayes is going to say, well, we want to see more of it. And I, I, I get that. Well, I yeah, understand yeah, yeah. that. Yeah. One week is one week, but it's it's steps in the right direction for him. And, and that's a huge thing for this baseball team. I, I think the baby steps are what he and Haynes started to do before, okay. you know, in mid-May, like even before yeah. that Seattle series. And like, we'll, we'll point to Seattle as like kind of like the bottoming out point and maybe what was the catalyst for the toe tap. And, you know, getting, I, I can just say, <laughs> I can just say, uh, no, that wasn't, that wasn't what got this started. It was before then. Like those mm-hmm. two have been in the lab for a while and now we're seeing the results. This is why this is why we have you on the show, Alex. <laughs> that in, little, yeah. in, little inside flair, you know. Uh, Not just a pretty face. <laughs> let's take one more quick break. Uh, when we come back, I have a question for you about one of the players on the roster. We are potentially going to see history this weekend with Andrew McCutcheon hitting his two th- uh, one hit away from 2000. Um, hopefully Saturday or Sunday at home it happens. What, and I, I know we don't have a lot of time on this last, uh, on the last segment, and we talked about legacy last week. I want your favorite Andrew McCutcheon story as a fan before you started covering the team when he was here last time or at this season, what is your favorite? Could be funny, could be serious, anything, but what is your favorite Andrew McCutcheon story? Man, I, I got so many good ones whenever I talked to him for, for that long form piece, mm-hmm. like it, it, in depth, 
read that one. I'm I'm really proud of that one. Yeah, you know, go check out the site. Kutch and I talked about some of his most iconic hits. Some some really great ones. Like whatever he's talking about, like he's having he's mimicking the uh the Air Jordan logo because of the conversation he and Lasting's Village had. I'm like, oh my God, this is you have to be a true pirate sicko to get all this. Like this is this is great <laughs> right here. Uh I I use the line favorite moment while like scrolling through the videos like you know like hey this is one of my favorites you know i don't know if i should have done that uh for the inside the parker just for how goofy that play was and you could see he says like well um, you see me rounding third i'm at full power i'm doing everything i can right now we're fortunate enough that the clip has it just for a moment of like you could see his eyes like full speed running as hard as he can you know rounding third base and the absolute dead sprint for his life like that that that's one of my favorite ones and i mean the cardinals walk off is obviously iconic uh the the first walk off home run like yeah as tony Mm -hmm. says here like the home run against the first place cardinals that that was yeah that was a moment in itself but yeah to actually answer the question my favorite Doing the actual interview might have been like my favorite catch moment from this year, but like watching him as a player, I think that inside the Parker was just something special. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't not talk about that one. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's so many with him, man. And I like when I look back on, on those playoff runs for me, I it's funny. I can't pinpoint one specific story or one specific time uh, or or play or anything like that. For me, it's it's what he meant to the franchise, and then getting to see playoff baseball with my dad for the first time. Um, that will always be Andrew McCutcheon's legacy, and it, my favorite thing about Andrew McCutcheon is is he was the guy on this baseball team that got them over the hump, and I got to experience playoff baseball. And I got to experience it with my pops. And that will always be for me. That's that's Andrew McCutcheon in a nutshell right there. Um, we're lucky, I, I think, as a as a city and a fan base, we're lucky to have a guy like that back on the team. Um, I think everybody that's that's met him or had the the opportunity to sit down and talk with him could tell you how how great of a guy he is, how great of a player he is, how great of a of a mentor now as one of the vets in that uh you know, in, in the locker room and at the ballpark, uh, in the clubhouse, you know, savor this, uh, you know, maybe he may not yet. Yeah, maybe he's not on the Sidney Crosby, Ben Roth, Roethlisberger level as far as, you know, elite in the game that he plays, but savor this 2000 hit thing because it doesn't come around often. Uh, you know, it, it's, it, it's one of those milestones that, that really, at least in the Pirates organization and the Pirates history that in this franchise, it sets him apart a, a and kind of puts him in a, in a different place. So all I could say is just savor it, enjoy it. You know, we have a good one here <laughs> and it's, it's going to be a fun time, man. I, I, I just, I've, I've enjoyed this season so much. Yep. You got anything else for the listeners, man? Go read the in-depth story. Those are tough to yes. write. And it's, it's, Go always, read it. it's, it's personally fulfilling, but I, I need those sweet, sweet, you know, page clicks too. So. <laughs> give give Alex some love. 
go listen or go listen, go listen. Yeah. Listen to this all, all the time. Listen to all the other podcasts, but go read Alex's work. Uh, not just the long form stuff, not just uh, he does his day to day stuff is top notch. I'd put him against anyone in the city. Um, you know, that's why I, I hang out with him every Friday night because, uh, you know, I, I learn a thing or two about baseball from this guy. So it's been fun. Do this again next week. Let's do it. All right, man. Well, for Alex Stump, for DK Pittsburgh Sports, this is the Pirates Podcast we name later. We will catch you all next week. Bye.